When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 987! Alright, it is time. The best time of the day here on Score North. Sorry to Mackie and Jed with Rami, but this is better. Hot routes. It is time where we go around some of the news stories from the NFL, and they sometimes have a twist. So let's ramp up that NFL music, and we are good to go. Oh, that music, man. I know. Oh, man. It hits you right in it does. the football soul. It does. That's where it goes. Right in your football gut. So let's start it off. We got a Zolgad, we got a Rami Maklov, Jonathan Harrison. I put this one out there for Twitter. Giants former center Sean O'Hara said that Daniel Jones is like putting Peyton and Eli Manning in a blender. Now, I thought of many different funny things we could do with this, but let's uh, keep it um, FCC worthy. What does that smoothie uh, taste like? Jeez. What I'd like from you guys for hot routes here is to uh, take two quarterbacks, put them in a blender, and make me the best quarterback of all time. Let me give you some Twitter answers here. Some of the most interesting. Are you, are you going to be okay, Rami? He won't stop laughing. It's making me laugh. I'm sorry. Uh, Michael Vick and Eric Ro- Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson and Cam Newton, Tom Brady, and a lot of different people. Um, Brady in Montana, Brady and Pat Mahomes, as if Pat Mahomes had uh, Brady's brain and Brady had Mahomes' arm or something like that. Give me your... Kirk Cousins and Jesus was a funny answer, but I don't remember <laughs> Jesus playing quarterback. Uh, Manning and Steve Young, give me your answers. Judd? This was a tough one, wasn't it? All right, I'm going to give you my my initial answer, but then I'm going to localize it and give you my Vikings answer because I think it's more fun. All right. My initial thought was Montana and Elway. That arm on Montana's body would be phenomenal. But, of course, those are just two great QBs. They're just fantastic. Hall of Fame. 
So I thought to myself, what's a more fun, constructive way to do this? And I thought, you know what it is? Vikings. So here's what I'm going to give you for the Vikings quarterback. And this might not be the greatest player of all time if I did this, but I think you would have a very good quarterback who fans would love for a long time. Kirk Cousins' abilities combine with Brad Johnson's brain. Brad Johnson was, Brad at the end didn't have an arm left basically, but incredibly smart. Won a Super Bowl in uh, Tampa Bay, correct? I mean, he was still still did a lot of good things. But Brad Brad Johnson, I think, processed things like Kirk would like to. Sure. Kirk tries hard. He wants to. He's just not always successful there. Mm-hmm. Brad had the ability to process things that I just don't think Kirk can. So my Vikings answer, which I think is more fun, Kirk Cousins, Brad Johnson. Okay, let's make it. Can we make it Vikings? I can do both. Okay, give both. I can do both. This I've I've serious. I read this email this morning, and I've changed my mind at least ten times with my answer to this question. I can't. I can't decide on what because there. I think one of them has to be Aaron Rodgers. That's that's one conclusion I came to. That he does so many things well. That one of the two quarterbacks I'm throwing in the blender has to be Aaron Rodgers. So now just put in another guy who has a good personality and maybe gets <laughs> along with his family <laughs> and girlfriend. I was going to say Michael Vick. He doesn't fit any of those descriptions. Uh, nope, nope. No. Um, no, I think I would say Michael Vick. Like, just make Aaron Rodgers that much more athletic, along with his ability to improvise, his decision-making, where he never throws an interception. But you literally have the worst personality of all time. Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. You're in jail and manipulating your entire team. <laughs> you just trying to be good, you guys. Yeah, I just want to be a I good mean, football player. I mean, when he actually plays. I just, want to be a, I just want this guy to be a good quarterback, all right? Okay, what's the Vikings answer? Take your question and say, boy, Scott. I'll take, ha- I'll take half of Judd's answer and say Brad Johnson's brains, but pair that with Randall Cunningham's arm and athletic ability. I'll and take it. Just the, abil- just the ability to chuck the ball 60 yards down the field <laughs> On the, with uh, a flick of a wrist. The QB challenge from 99. I believe Cunningham had gone somewhere else, or maybe it was 2000. He had gone to Baltimore after he left the Vikings. That sounds right. And he was in the QB Challenge wearing a Baltimore jersey and threw it like 74 yards. He must have been 40 at the time and still threw it over 70 yards. It's amazing. Jonathan? I went Vikings on this one. Two of my favorite Vikings quarterbacks of the past decade or so, Brett Favre and Teddy Bridgewater. I know it's a bit of a weird one with the Teddy part, but <laughs> yeah, but Teddy I'm playing had, to the crowd Teddy here a little does, bit. Teddy does not throw the key interception. Yes, at the end of the game. That's kind of what I was getting at. You have that He's arm, not reckless. You have the abilities there in Brett Favre, but you have the non-recklessness of Teddy Bridgewater, and you also have two pretty good leaders. Good answer. Uh, do you have a historic answer? No, I just, just went just straight Vikings, Vikings on this okay. one. So that's how I prepared this one. My Vikings one. I'm going to go pretty pretty simple here and recent. I will go Sam Bradford, who has one of the greatest arms I've ever seen in my life. I, I'm, I've told you this before, Judd, Rami, I have mm-hmm. not told you this before, so this will be a first for I you. I think you have mentioned this to me. Maybe I have. In training camp, Sam yes. Bradford is the best damn quarterback you've ever seen in your life. Incredibly accurate. Tavares Jackson. Laser Better beams. in training camp. Tavares was a fan. I, Unbelievable I in training camp. Are we really going to have a debate arm. about who is Who's the better, better practice hey, we watched enough bad practices. Sam Bradford or Tavares and, and Jackson? I will just combine Sam Bradford with mm-hmm. Case Keenum. Case Keenum, okay. big cool. heart, could run around, made big plays at big times. Had the best luck in the world. 
And uh, yeah, well, I did the, but he was willing to throw it up. Yes, that was one thing that Sam <laughs> until Bradford, he did. You just yeah, took throw a it up in below average and slightly above average quarterback and put them in a blender. Yes, because what they, is that making they, exactly? They perfectly fill in each other's weaknesses. So Sam Bradford was not really a leader, was not willing to take the risks. But Sam Bradford has all the talent of any quarterback that you're going to bring up, almost ever. He's a first overall pick. And when he is touch. on display with his throwing of the football, yep. he was one of the best downfield passers a, in the NFL in 2016. Had a marvelous touch. Laser beam arm. He just didn't have all those things that Case had. So as long as the blender mixes them correctly and doesn't give me some sort of abomination to humanity and go the other way where he can't move or throw, <laughs> then, <laughs> what would that be? then you're good. What quarterback would that be? Uh, if it took all the worst of Sam Bradford right. and all the worst of Case Keenum and made a quarterback. He's throwing 16 picks Sean in Hill. his game. Sean Hill is in the game now. That's, like this QB uh, blender just completely malfunctions and, and I, I think does the reverse of what it's supposed to. Historically, I will take Joe Montana's processing and accuracy and mix it with Cam Newton's physical size and arm strength, and that would be absurd. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There is your quarterbacks in a blender. Question number two for Hot Routes. Johnny Manziel is in the news again, as why wouldn't he be? That he is interested in playing for Houston's XFL squad. I would like you fellas to A, explain to me why we're still even talking about Johnny Manziel after he's flamed out for multiple leagues now, make it three, and uh, will he actually play in the XFL? Whoever wants to begin. Um, Catchy nickname, right? Johnny Football. I mean, it's lazy, but catchy, isn't it? That's 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 a solid nickname, Johnny Football. It's almost like he was born. It's almost like he was born Johnny Football. But beyond that, we live in a tabloid yeah. reality show mm-hmm. world, and he has the it factor when it comes to the tabloid reality show uh, draw that he is. I think that's that's really all it is. And he was a good football player at one point in college. And I think that people are still hanging on to that along with the reality show tabloid element that he brings to the table. Does he play in the XFL? They let uh, him? Probably. Yeah, yeah. sure. It's a, he's a bad football player, and it'll be bad football, so he'll fit right in. <laughs> he absolutely does, and but he lasts for about three weeks because <laughs> it's always something. He's just a screw-up. We love screw-ups. Yeah. He's a screw-up. He's always... We still don't know, I don't think to this day, why the CFL booted him. He's just always doing something to, I think he's the type of person who finds success to be too much, and so he undermines himself, but he's got enough talent that we love people like that, so I think he definitely plays in this league. I also think he lasts you know, three weeks or a month before he does something that, that uh, basically ruins him there, and then he's out of work again, and he's a story for one day, and that's it for that. Jonathan? I think we keep talking about him because he provides stuff for us to talk about in the offseason. I mean, he keep, he keeps doing random stuff and dumb stuff that we have something to actually talk about in the offseason where it's normally kind of the dead period. And I don't think he makes it in the NFL, or the XFL. He's failed out of the CFL, the AAF, the NFL. He'll play, but it's not going to be good. If uh, Vince McMahon sticks to his word, which he probably won't, to not have players with shady backgrounds. Well, Johnny Manziel has a pretty damn shady background. Yeah. Um, lots of different things, including domestic violence for Johnny Manziel. To me, the reason why the world is obsessed with Manziel is because he beat Bama. And he was so 
good doing it. And even since high school and his earliest days in college, he's always had people apologize for him because he was so talented. And that just ran out when you got to the NFL because you can't just snap the ball and use your athleticism and your arm strength and run around and make plays. It doesn't work that way. You have to execute an offense to a T or you don't play. And even when he played, though, for the Browns, there were some moments where he showed off that talent and it was just enough to keep the intrigue on of Johnny Manziel. All right, next hot route. And I don't think that he, I don't think he's going to even be allowed to play in the XFL, is my guess. Good news for Cam Newton. Throwing in training camp after a really bad shoulder injury that he probably shouldn't have tried to gut out, but they were still in the playoff race. It got to be to the point where he couldn't even throw the Hail Marys or even downfield accurately with his shoulder. Let's say that he is back to 100%. It is a fresh and healthy Cam Newton. Remember, last year had the highest completion percentage of his career, was running a pretty efficient offense, and then his shoulder injury derailed them. Where will the Panthers finish if Cam Newton is at 100% health? Hmm. I say second place to the Saints. The Falcons, I just don't know. And and I think if the Falcons don't have a good year, Dan Quinn probably gets fired there. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I saw this question, my initial gut reaction was, I still think the Saints are going to win this division. I think if Cam Newton is healthy and plays well, that the um, the Carolina Panthers are in second place and a wild card contender. That's my answer. Yeah, I think second place, probably. I don't think they, they can overtake or usurp the Saints, but beyond what the, the, the Panthers will do, I just don't think that's a great football team around him. I think when Cam Newton is right, he's the most dangerous weapon at the quarterback position. Maybe not the best quote-unquote quarterback, but the most dangerous offensive weapon mm-hmm. at the quarterback position. The guy is a goal-line running back. Like, he's at inside the five. 58 career rushing touchdowns. It's, it's insane. All the different things that he can do when he gets the football in his hands. And I know he rubs some people the wrong way, but I've always been a big, big Cam Newton guy on and off the field. And I think he gets very, very underrated when we have the quarterback conversation. Jonathan? I think it really depends on what Falcons team you're going to get because that division's obvious, or is going to be the Saints first, Bucks and fourth. And it really depends on what kind of Falcons team you're getting in this final in this probably final year of their head coach there. So I think second or third depending on what Falcons team you're getting. Pick the, one, don't waver. Come on. Second. Okay. I'll follow you guys. It's second. All right. All right, I'll go hot take. I think if he's 100% they can win the division and I will tell you why because as much as I love Drew Brees, love watching him play, he is an artist. The end of last year was ugly. You, it was ugly. Doing. It just wasn't good. He didn't play well for the final like six weeks. You're a doubter. And I am a doubter a little bit. Do you think bit. we started to see the decline of Drew Brees? I think a little bit. Really? And once you hit that wall, you hit it hard. And mm-hmm. Peyton Manning showed us that. They also lost Mark Ingram. That's not a massive loss, but they didn't. They replaced him with Latavius Murray, who's okay. But they, they didn't like add a bunch of wide receivers or anything like that. Um, they added Jared Cook, the tight end, not a not a huge acquisition. It's always possible that Drew Brees is Drew Brees, but I think there might be just enough dip in his game to make them like a ten and six or nine and seven type team. I still don't think their defense is that great. And if Cam Newton's hundred percent, Christian McCaffrey is one of the best players in the NFL. Yeah, right. So I think there's there is the possibility. Who does he have at receiver now? I don't even know who Jerry's right. Come on, they lost Funches. He's got Jerry's right. They do have Jerry's right. Be nice here. They are lacking 
Key wide receiver. Wide receiver Greg three Olson here. is coming back Matthew for another Collin. injury-riddled year. Jarius Wright, wide receiver three here would be sure nice to have, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. All right, next. Sorry. The Houston Texans surprisingly fired their general manager because of apparently he had a bad relationship with Bill O'Brien. If you had the chance and the power to fire one person in football just out of the blue, just because you felt like it, who would you fire? Ooh, that's a tough one. You want to go first, Judd? Oh, I got three. You got three? I got two well, that I'm trying to decide. I got three written down, and then w- once I'm done, I want someone to go to that whiteboard. Yeah, behind It's collar. been 24 days since I called for someone to be fired and updated to zero. If you're watching us streaming live on Twitter, uh, Twitch, and uh, what else, Seth? Facebook? Uh, we have the days since Judd Zulgad yep. wanted someone thank, fired board. Thank you. Behind where collar sits. Thank you very much. My hat trick of you're out of a job. Number one, not surprisingly, Matt Patricia, Detroit coach. Gotta go. Gotta go. I love can't that the work, music changed for Can't Judd's work list. with people. And it's the perfect firing list music. Can't do it. Can't right. work with people. Can't Thomas. do it. Number two, Dave Gettleman of Ooh. the Giants. GM extraordinaire. The Jets and Giants are, are, are just cluster bleeps, but the Giants, come on, you're the Giants. Have some pride. Gettleman, you're out. And then in honor of the host of this show, Matthew Collar. The number three star of today's firing has got to be his guy, Doug Marone. Come on. Jacksonville. I appreciate that. Nice work there, buddy. Real nice work. (laughs) Patricia, Gettleman, and Marone, you're out. Patricia, Gettleman, and Marone. You got got two of the three that I was considering. PGM. The PGM line in hockey. You're out. You left out the big one, though. Okay, good. Roger Goodell. Thank you. Roger Goodell has got to go. This guy <laughs> screws up everything that comes across his desk. Does. Literally no. every single thing that comes across no. his desk, he messes it up. And people go, well, yeah, but he makes money. Anybody anybody who is competent in, in, in the legal and business worlds would would turn the NFL into a money machine. But yeah. But he screws up every single thing that comes across the commissioner's desk. He never it's fa- remarkable. He never fails to fail. Yeah. He's terrible. I, He's the worst. I actually had Roger Goodell with one of my picks. All right, Jonathan. I had Goodell as my other pick, but my first one is Mark Davis or anybody owning the Raiders because mm-hmm. that is just a franchise that should be one of the most iconic in all of the all of world sports. Not just moving. Great logo, great jerseys. Everything about it is awesome, except that it's... Just a terribly run organization, and it should be run better, and it deserves to be run better. Mark Davis and the ownership needs to go. I like it. I am going to fire an owner, and then I'm going to change a team name. Anybody got a guess on this one? I'm going to fire Dan uh, Snyder, Snyder and and I'm going to change the Washington football team. Mm -hmm. They have been a disgrace for most of their existence with Dan Snyder in charge. They repeatedly make the most abysmal and hilarious decisions. And I think that Snyder is just a pretty bad dude and kind of a mess. So he's fired, and I'm changing your team name. So there I, you go. I can't argue with, I'm with that. You. I think we just did a good... I think we just cleaned up the yeah, NFL. Yeah, we really made the I NFL did, quite a bit better. I think we did quite... I fired three people. Quite a good job. Yeah. And I was Judd, only supposed to Judd fire just one. just helped the Jags get to the AFC Championship game. Yeah. By and the Giants, too. I mean, the Lions. <laughs> the Giants, too. The Lions will keep being the Lions. Let's yeah, be, they let's be yeah, real. They'll yeah, fire Patricia matter. and hire somebody else terrible. But that doesn't mean he doesn't deserve to be fired. All right. Final hot route of the day. According to reports, <laughs> Nick Foles' leadership really stood out in OTAs, as one's leadership generally does. 
in OTAs. That's where men are made. It's tough in OTAs. Um, Summertime, you can't be hit. Basically like the trenches at war. I yeah. think OTAs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Essentially. Yeah. Um, what would Fair Nick analogy. Foles have to do this year to convince you guys that he is a real franchise QB? <clears throat> I'll be very quick here. He needs to go to the owner of the Jags, and he needs to tell them, in order for me to be a franchise QB, Doug Marone has to be fired. Thus, Zolgad's right. I can't play for Doug Marone. He's an idiot. He's a, he's a, he's a just awful. I can't think of the right word without... You just want Nick Foles a, to say Zolgad was right. Yes, I do. That's all you want. <laughs> I'll clear so quickly. he's going to go to the podium, Nick Foles, in Jacksonville, Florida, yep. and say... Zolgad nailed it, guys. I can't play for Doug Marone. <laughs> well, and, but then by like, extension, what? he, he could say, like, Kyler like, was right, too. This guy's an idiot. I like, can't play for him. I can barely play for Tom or... Coughlin. I can barely play for a team run by... Why is Tom Coughlin in charge of this team, by the way? I don't understand. Anyway, that would be my idea. Nobody fired Coughlin. That could have been I came done. close. If you uh, don't know who Zolgad is and Nick Foles just walks him to the podium, it's, that sounds like a like a god that Scientologists yeah. pray to. Wouldn't like, you be scared? <laughs> pray to the Zolgad. Zolgad told me. If you just heard the Marone name Zolgad, wouldn't you, be, wouldn't you be scared? <laughs> My question Probably, is, yes. sometimes when we're doing those things, we could get thrown off and kind of shocked as reporters. And I'll give you an example. When Mike Zimmer came to the podium and announced that there was no trade, that Anthony Barr was not being traded, when there was no rumor of Anthony Barr being traded, <laughs> everyone just stood there for a second, and then somebody was like, so uh, what's uh, Tom Compton look like at left guard? And then th- and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, let's just go back to this. <laughs> what, what was this rumor? Like, what? We were all stunned. So maybe that would be the Jacksonville media when Nick Foles stepped up. So and he said, started a rumor again. with no rumor? No Mike, Zimmer heard, rumor? Mike Zimmer heard somewhere, and we still have never figured out exactly where. There's theories that um, Anthony Barr was going to get traded. And so even when he was not supposed to do a podium session, he called his own press conference to announce that Anthony Barr was not getting traded and that the rumors were false, but the rumors did not exist. That is so odd. we were all so stunned we had no follow-ups for like four minutes. And I was like, can we just go back to that? <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, just the assembled media and Mike yeah. Zimmer is staring at each other oh. blankly. We didn't know this was happening. It was like, what did you just announce? Um, That's awesome. Okay, so Nick Foles, Rami. Um... It's simple. Put up a season's worth of franchise quarterback numbers and take your team deep into the playoffs. That's what, what franchise quarterback the other. I think because of what we saw from that team a couple years ago, they had a lot of problems this year. And I don't know that they cleaned up all of them, but there's enough talent there that if he's a franchise quarterback and puts up and performs like a franchise quarterback, that's a team that should make the playoffs and make some noise once they get to the playoffs. If he does one or the other, I would consider it, but I wouldn't be convinced that he's a franchise quarterback. Jonathan? I think if he can put together a full regular season of performances, of his playoff performances, then yes, he's a franchise quarterback. Also, if he can somehow make the DeFilippo offense look competent mm. and good, then yes, he's a franchise quarterback. That, that is a good point. I, yeah, I think I have just just win a playoff game. Even if he doesn't have huge numbers, he might not be a guy that puts up huge numbers all the time, especially on a team that wants to win with defense in Jacksonville and wants to run Leonard Fournette all the time. He just might not. Although, DeFlippo is not a big fan of running. 
so so maybe it, maybe he has to put up numbers. I don't really care so much about that. But if he wins a playoff game and he has another one of those Nick Foles playoff games, I'm going to say, you know what? He might not be the biggest number guy, but he knows how to win. And I think we have saw a lot of that last year from him with the Eagles when he kind of almost came back and did it again. Hot routes, boys. It's been wonderful. Judd, uh, take about 40 minutes off. Today. They really were. were and update this board. Every, every day, hot routes. 3 o'clock, sometimes 3.20. And then you can always download it at uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Go to Score North Vikings or type in Purple Daily. Boom. You got the podcast right to your cellular device. That's what you do. Uh, all right. So, uh, Rami, you're going to stick around. I am. I'm going to football it up with you. Since the schedule came out, we just haven't really talked about it. It came out, we broke it down, then we're like, okay, well, forget about it. Draft, everything else. Mm-hmm. Let's circle back. What? Let's take a look at some sections of the schedule that I want to talk about here. Minicamp is this week. We'll have all our reports at scorenorth.com. That starts tomorrow. Lots to look at. So we'll come back. We'll uh, talk a little bit more about this schedule, and uh, we'll return on Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Rami Maklov, spending the hour. So, Rami, I was thinking about this schedule today. I started looking over, when am I going to travel? Which games am I going to go to? We always go to Green Bay. We always go to Chicago. And kind of got a choice here. I'll always go to L.A. Kansas City or Dallas? At Kansas City, November 3rd, or at Dallas, November 10th? Which one would you pick? Give them to me, Dallas, and what was the other one? So Dallas is November 10th, and mm-hmm. Kansas City is November 3rd. Now, Dallas probably mm. has better weather, and I've never been to either. But Arrowhead, that's like a must-see, right? Are you more partial to Texas barbecue or Kansas City mm. barbecue? That's what it would come down to for so me. Kansas City barbecue, I have never had in actual Kansas City. Right. That would be probably worth it. I have never been to the state of Texas, nor to you know, Jerry Jones's. Xanadu. You're asking the wrong guy this because outside of going to spring training in Arizona, I haven't left the Midwest like in my life. So you haven't been to either one of these? No, neither one. Mm. Kansas City is the more intriguing city to me. Weather-wise, it's not, but history-wise... But that time of year, weather shouldn't be a problem in Kansas City, should it? November? It's not going to be great, right? It'll still be fall. I don't know what kind of weather patterns they have, but I assume it's going to be... I think fall in Kansas City would would be nice. I always think of Kansas City as lots of 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 mud, it's raining, the fans are going crazy. Like All of my memories as a kid are Marty Schottenheimer (laughs) just looking disheveled on the sideline. So you think that's what all of Kansas City is? Past that's what the, October, street, that's what the yes. streets of Kansas City look yes. like. It's, it's, it's just, just mud. dark and gray and muddy. Just mud and they're lined with Marty Schottenheimer. And Christian Okoye <laughs> is there. <laughs> like That's Kansas City in my mind. Like, Mar- that's probably not a place to visit. If that's if you're right, that's not a great place to visit. How do you picture Dallas then? Uh, Dallas, is I everything figure pristine that, and like uh, like their like their stadium. Yeah, yeah like everyone has some sort of like they have spurs on and <laughs> everybody's shiny and maybe there are rhinestones all over the place. It's How many great. people are carrying guitars and playing country music? Literally everyone. Literally every person. <laughs> There's a Longhorn just walking around. Dallas on a leash or is he free? He's obviously free. Uh, okay, you All can't right. contain him. Uh, 
Anyway, so knowing for sure that I'm going to go to uh, Green Bay in Chicago, this first section of the season, Courtney Cronin the other day when she was in, she was talking about how important the first four to five games are for Kevin Stefanski calling plays because we know that Mike Zimmer, when things are starting to crumble, is very quick to push the button. 2016, they lost two games in a row, and uh, Norv Turner was out after that. Technically resigned, but... You know, right. Uh, and then last year, as things were starting to crumble after a national TV loss against Seattle, they fire John D. Filippo. So I don't think he's going to wait around if things don't get off to so much of a hot start. Let's just let's go through these teams. Like first four weeks. What do you expect out of them? Atlanta is a hard one to pick, isn't it? I mean, they're coming here. That's always tough to come here. I think I picked the, the Vikings to win that game. I would, too. But. Atlanta last year was one of the best offenses in the NFL. They had a putrid defense because they got everybody hurt. So now their defense is going to be back, and their offense still has a ton of weapons, still has Julio Jones. The last time the Vikings played Atlanta was down there, and Julio Jones got shut down by Xavier Rhodes. I'm not sure this is the same version of Xavier Rhodes as it was in 2017. That's just... It's a great game to start with because... I want to find out what Atlanta looks like. And I'm not sure that's one that you just pencil in for sure as a win. Is Atlanta traditionally a slow starter? I feel like I want to say they've been slow starters in the past. They were last year, and then I think they won some games. It kind of got going, but then faded toward the end. I mean, two years ago, they were what? Was it 12-4? and four Yeah. When they lost in the playoffs, when Julio Jones kind of mistimed his jump against the Eagles. And the Eagles also had a pass bounce off somebody and turn into a reception. <laughs> That's what Nick Foles needed to win that game. Uh, well, and, that, and the year before that was when they went to the Super Bowl. So they, they've really been a pretty competitive team over the last few years. So, I don't know. Tell me what you think of these first four games. All right. Not just Atlanta, but... It, do you say if you don't go three and one that it's kind of a failure? Atlanta, Green Bay, Oakland, Chicago. I think two and two is fair to expect. Green Bay and Chicago. I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but division games are always tough. And the Bears were a very good football team last year. I think the Packers will rebound nicely this year if Lafleur is even just a competent NFL head coach, and they have some new life breathed into him. By that higher, I think that's a much improved football team. I think their defense took some steps forward last year, and they gave Mike Pettin some pieces to work with to add to that defense that already was headed in the right direction. We know what Aaron Rodgers is. Those are two tough games and two division games. I don't necessarily pencil those in as wins. They're winnable. I'm not all four of those games are winnable. But if you come out of them two and two, I think that that you feel pretty good about yourself after the first quarter of the season. What's really interesting to me about this first section of the season is Judd and I were talking off the air about this, where you feel like when you go into the year that you've got a good sense for what those teams will be that you play early. And then as you go along, if we were trying to say, hey, what about that uh, week uh, 15 game against Los Angeles? Well, we don't even know. I mean, is is Philip Rivers even still playing at that point or what they look like? Have they had a great season? They had a bad season. So hard to tell. But you feel like you know the teams that you start with. And I don't feel like I know three of these teams. I think I know one. I think I know Chicago and how good they're going to be. That there will be a little regression. They've got too much talent to just entirely fall off of the side of the cliff and be last in the division. They have a really good coach. They added Cordell Patterson, so their offense, I think, will keep rolling, even though 
Trubisky is limited to some extent. I think I know what that team is. I think they're a 10-6 and six type of team. The rest of them? Do you have a good feel for any of these? I mean, Green Bay, yeah, you make fair arguments, but it could also be Lafleur headbutts with Aaron Rodgers and it all falls apart quick. Or Lafleur could be a total disaster. Right. Exactly. Like I said, he needs exactly. to... To me, when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, you've said this before, if you're a competent NFL head coach, you have seven wins in the bank. Yep. Just on Aaron Rodgers. Win three more on top of that, and you're a, t- you're a 10-win football team and going to the playoffs. So that's what I'm saying. If if he's a competent head coach and breathes some new life into him, that's a that's probably at least a nine-win football team. But he could be a total disaster. He 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 might have swindled the Packers into convincing them that he was a competent NFL head coach and might not be. That's a possibility. He's never done it before. If that's the case, then yeah, that's a game you probably should win, but we don't know that. And we also just don't know with the injuries that Rodgers has been through the last couple of years if he'll be 100% sure. even when they play him in week 2. It just maybe it's bad luck, but it kind of reminds me of Tony Romo, where it they just started to pile up on him, mm-hmm. and there's only so much you could do with that. There's only so much yoga and whatever else off the field that you can do um, once you've had a ton of different injuries, which Aaron Rodgers is starting to build them up. I, I just I don't have a great feel for what Green Bay is going to be, even though I agree with you entirely that their defense stacked up a lot of talent and should be a lot better. Atlanta, I feel the same way. They have the potential to be a very good team. I'm not sure. And Oakland is the ultimate wild card. Couldn't you see Oakland being yes. good? I think that's a total possibility that think, they're actually good. I think they get better as the season goes on. So I think the Vikings got them at the right the right part of the schedule. I think that's a team that grows and gets better deeper in the schedule. So they caught them at the right time. That's why I think that's a game you should win. From Drew on Twitter, he says, I should go see Kansas City because of Mahomes, Barbecue, and the Negro League Baseball Museum. There is Mah- the Mahomes factor. Is, that's big. To see that guy play in person. Um, and I I read a really cool book that had great stories from the Negro Leagues, and so it's always been sort of an area of interest. My Stratomatic team is the Kansas City Monarchs. Nice. By the way. Nice. So I would love to see that. That's that's a compelling argument. That is. Somebody make an argument for Dallas that's better than that, at Matthew Collar. I'm sure Twitter. that uh, maybe here in the building they would make an argument for Kansas City because it's cheaper than going to Dallas, I would I would expect. So you think two and two out of these out of these four games? I'm saying two and two is the bare minimum. There are two there are two the games bare in there, minimum. There are two games in there. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Mm-hmm. There are two games in there that you definitely should win, and then there are two games in there that are winnable, but I, I they're not locks. So I want to do this throughout the week. Just at least one segment per day. We okay? There's five days and probably four segments of the season. We'll do one on playoffs or something. Just. Look at this. A chunk of the a schedule? Bit, a little bit closer. I like yeah, it. Each day. I like it. Uh, Do you what, agree with me about the Raiders, by the way, that they get better as the season goes on? I do because they have a lot of pieces that are going to have to figure out how they fit together. And certainly Antonio Brown and Derek Carr are going to have to figure out right. their chemistry. But the caveat to that would be if it doesn't go well early on and John Gruden loses some guys. That has the potential to be a powder keg. I mean, that that That's is true. that is That's three true. and thirteen mutiny potential if things don't go well right away. That's one of those things that if it starts if it starts to unravel, it's going to happen very very fast. And the the quarterback matchups here, I kind of do the schedule by that too. Matt Ryan, mm-hmm. good. 
has lost to the Vikings before, Mike Zimmer, but good. Aaron Rodgers, elite. Derek Carr, not that great. When you got to come here and you're not that great. That's tough. A lot of times it doesn't matter how good the rest yeah. of your team is. And uh, Chicago, Mitch Trubisky 2-0 and against the Vikings last year. I'm going to have to say that he's at least good enough with that offense to beat them on the road. And Soldier Field is just like the house of horrors for the Vikings. When was the last time they won there? Do you know? Uh, it was 2017. Case Keenum had to come in for Sam Bradford. Oh, that's right. Yep. At some point, we'll have you play the game where you look through things that happened in games that I covered and ask me about them. For some reason, um, things stick in my brain when it comes to covering them. So we did this last year, and Judd asked me in over or enough the, the fourth quarter on a two-point conversion attempt who jumped off sides in a Thursday night game between the Vikings and the Cowboys, and I remembered it was Jeremiah Searles. So Why well, do you remember that? I have no idea. Okay. We could play for a second when we come back. I want you to go to Pro Football Reference, pick a random game that I covered. How do I know you covered it? I've covered every game for the last three okay. years. I mean, right. I might not have been there for some of them, All but right. I would have covered them. Okay. And then ask me some random questions. I will and do if so. I mess this up, then my attempt to uh, pimp that will look pretty bad. And also, I wrote about every position going into minicamp. So I'd like you to pick a position and we'll talk about it. I can do that. When we return here on Purple Daily. Okay, so if, he, if Kirk Cousins doesn't sign with the Minnesota Vikings, I, I think we're both in agreement he goes to the New York Jets, right? Okay, so now, what if for the Jets, if they got Kirk Cousins, is Todd Bowles still there? I'm going to say maybe he is. I mean, I'm going to say yes, he is. You know, maybe they win enough games last year and feel good enough as an organization organization to have a guy like him uh, to where he might have a new job. This is, to me, the next phase of it that I think is the most interesting. Where is Sam Darnold now? And who's the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings? That's where I want to, like, have fun with you because I don't know where it goes if that were the, the scenario. That is from Pro Football Talk. Chris Sims and Mike Florio discussing what if Kirk Cousins never signed with the Minnesota Vikings. He is very excited. Yeah, he really got jacked wow. up to talk about if that didn't happen. Now, I, I've been working on something that I keep thinking about is the what if Teddy Bridgewater never got hurt. And we could do a whole week of shows on hmm. the, the domino effects. You just think of a person. Like, think of Kirk Cousins. Where does he end up if... Teddy never gets hurt. What about Sam Bradford? Is he playing somewhere else? Like, there's uh, a million different things. So I just thought that was a a fun segment that's on Pro Football Talk. If you want to check that out, so you shouldn't have me on the show for that Teddy Bridgewater episode. Why is that? Because people aren't going to like what I have to say. Oh, you don't think he was good? Well, I think he's a little over overhyped around here. We need to have a discussion then. We I think you would actually find that a lot of people See, agree with you, Rami. Which well, is there wrong are take. there are, but. Here's the thing about the the Teddy Bridgewater issue was that if you just look at Teddy Bridgewater's statistics, they do not tell you anywhere close to what the real story was of the 2015 season because they ran the ball a ton, in part because Teddy Bridgewater got them up, and every time they were down, he made big plays to win, including in the playoffs. Got the ball with a chance to go win the game, and he did, except for the kicker, and when you look at his skill set, the impact that he had on everybody in the organization, teammates, made people better around him, he was elevating after an 11-5 and season where he was very good. And a big part of why his traditional statistics aren't that great is because they had the worst offensive line in the NFL. A guy by the name of TJ Clemmings was his starting tackle, who is one of the worst players I've ever seen play professional football. 
and he led the league at throwaways. That was what brought down his completion percentage. Otherwise, it was toward the top of the league, and he was one of BFF's most accurate passers that year. So his you put all that together with the fact that Mike Zimmer said he never wanted another quarterback, and now Sean Payton loves him and wants to bring him back and make him their quarterback after. I mean, there's a lot there with Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not saying he was bad. I'm not saying he would have been a bad quarterback, but I just don't think that he was... Some people put him on a pedestal, it seems, around here and make it seem as though he was all-world or would have been an all-world quarterback had he not had the injuries that he had. I think he was a franchise quarterback with the potential. I don't think there was any question about he was a franchise quarterback. When the head coach of the team says, I never wanted another quarterback. But he's a defensive head coach. What does he know about quarterbacks? He just wants to run. What does Mike Zimmer know about quarterbacks? I mean, the guy who has to shut down Aaron Rodgers every year and who beat Drew Brees in a playoff game. Like, I think he knows quarterbacks. Okay. Um, I wouldn't use him to evaluate quarterbacks. I think what you have to do in that season, scout quarterbacks. So I've gone back two times and watched the entire 2015 season on tape just to look at Teddy Bridgewater closely because this was a much bigger conversation before. And what you come away with is. A lot of games. Now, not every game is perfect, but a lot of games where there's up, where they're up, and he knows they've got a great defense, and he works to protect the lead rather than putting up the big numbers. And there's never been a better example than last year with Kirk Cousins of empty numbers. And it was the opposite with Bridgewater, where there weren't empty numbers. It was getting ahead, staying ahead, running Adrian Peterson a lot, and winning 11 games. And then essentially winning a playoff game, which, you know. He probably would have become good enough quarterback to pair along with that defense that they had in 2017 that they could, oh, yeah. they could have, they would have been Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. He, they, he would have been good enough for that. Yeah. For but sure. I don't think he was a good enough quarterback to carry you to a Super Bowl or Super Bowl contention. I don't think that you're putting him in the category of Aaron Rodgers. No. No. But you are talking about a guy that up until his stinking pro day where he didn't wear gloves, he was considered the likely top draft pick. In- Why didn't he wear gloves? I don't know. It's a weird story. All right. All right. So anyway, we can discuss this mm-hmm. throughout the summer, though, because I've done to. a lot of work on this. I'm going to start sending you literature. I'll be like one of those weird people online. Please don't. Like, here are all these links. Because I, I just did a lot on this with the pro football focus people and with film people and Sage Rosenfels and everything else because it was a huge topic in 2017. So anyway, I told you before the break yes. that any game you bring up that I covered, I will remember a freakish amount of stupid detail yes. with. So give me a game that you have randomly selected that I would have covered. The year was 2017. I remember it well. Sunday, October 22nd, week okay. seven of the NFL season, and the Baltimore Ravens visiting your Minnesota Vikings. All right, first of all, tell I'm me guess what the, you know, um, Matthew Collins. The temperature outside was 81 degrees. It's a hot. I don't October. have that information. I'm just joking. All right. All right. So, on uh, the first series of the game, Mike Wallace gets hurt on a throw over the middle to uh, where Anderson Dejo takes his head off. I don't know if that would be in your box score, but... I believe I can pull up the play-by-play. Yeah, Mike Wallace definitely got hurt. I think that there was a 15-yard penalty there. Uh, I'll give you another thing. There was an interception on the first drive. Case Keenum decided that he had one-on-one coverage with Laquan Treadwell and uh, just threw it up for grabs. It was picked off by the Ravens. Um, Let's see... Stefan, when when did that happen? Okay, that was the first drive by the Vikings. I see. Uh, hold on, once. Yep, I see the. Uh, I just found the Mike Wallace. Okay, Wallace uh, hurt. 
Complete short right and then unnecessary roughness yep. call. On All Anderson right. Dejo. Okay. Right? Yes. Okay. He got mm-hmm. fined for that. Yeah. And the other thing is Treadwell was targeted on the interception by Case Keenum on a long throw down the right side of the field, or at least the quarterback's right side of the field. You had, got that. Um, let's see here, Stefan Diggs is out in that game, which is why Treadwell was getting targeted. And I don't believe that Adam Thielen had a very good game. I want to say he had something like four catches. Um, six for 40 something something unimpressive let me see faster with the pro football reference <laughs> well you're I, I'm switching back and forth I know, between I'm the play by play and the box score I can't find how many receptions he had here hold on oh, hold on did I find it no I didn't find it I'll find it keep going okay so Diggs was out Thielen did not have a huge game but you know who did have a huge game who's that it was his breakout game was Latavius Murray. Adam Thielen had five receptions for 41 yards. Okay, very close. I mm-hmm. said six for 42. You did. Um, Latavius Murray had a breakout game that day. He had been battling an ankle injury and had gotten off to a very slow start, was averaging like two and a half yards a carry, but I think it is the week before or two weeks before that Delvin Cook tore his ACL, so Murray comes back. He's the starter now. Let's see. They must have played Chicago in Chicago, and then I think that was the game that Jarek McKinnon went off. So Murray comes out. He has a couple of big runs. I want to say he scored two touchdowns. One touchdown. One touchdown. But he ran for, I'm going to go 132 yards in the 113 game. 113 yards. 13 rushing. yards yes. in the game. Uh, and the other thing I remember is Joe Flacco got the bleep sacked out of him by Daniil Hunter. So I'm going to say Daniil Hunter had a sack. Um, I believe you are correct. And at the end of the game... They were down two touchdowns, and for some reason... Neil Hunter had a sack. He did. Mm -hmm. For some reason, Baltimore just keeps pushing the ball down the field. I don't know why. They're down two touchdowns. The game is over. They can't come back. There's like no seconds left, no timeouts. But they throw a stupid touchdown anyway to bring it within one score as time expires. I think this happened. And I want to say the final score was something like 24-17. Uh, let me find the score first. Going down to the fourth quarter. They, uh, let's see. Minute, yeah. Pass and complete short right to Chris, or pass complete short right to Chris Moore for 13 yards and a touchdown with three seconds left on the clock. Uh-huh. And uh, that made the final score 24-16 Vikings. See? How? I told you. I don't, Jonathan, can you do stuff like that? <laughs> Do you have any sort of photographic memory, like Manny with his Super Bowls? No, but my wife's entire family does it with music and movies. Like, they'll hear a song and they'll be able to tell you which movie it was in and, like, what's going on in the scene. It freaks me out that they just, like, any piece of music that you play, they're like, oh, it was in this movie. It's like, what? I think it's because when I'm covering a game, I'm just concentrating really hard on everything that happens. If I have a photographic memory for for words, for conversations, like if I like if if I ever say I heard you say something, mm-hmm. I, damn it, I heard you say it, and I remember <laughs> hearing you say it. That's why I can remember like stand up sets. Like I've done 45 minutes of stand up before because I'm good at remembering words and conversations, but like moments in games or even records of seasons or like name a Super Bowl, Manny will tell you what happened and where it was played. Impossible for me. Okay, I'm going to dig deep here right before we have to go to break. And I'm going to say that one of the offensive linemen got hurt and somebody totally random played in that game. How much time do I got, Jonathan? 
Do I have seconds? Uh, you have negative five seconds. That's all right. Rami's coming up next. This is totally fine. I'm going to get the snap counts, and then we're going to end the show. But I need to find this first. Somebody like Danny Isadora played on the offensive line in this game. I cannot find that information okay. for you. There's the four offensive linemen. Jeremiah Searles came in and played because there was an... Danny Isadora, 29 snaps. Good night, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow on Purple Daily. I'll be right back. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.